Hey there, welcome back to the podcast. I'm your host, Evan Brand, certified functional medicine practitioner and a functional nutritional therapy practitioner. I run an online practice. I work with clients around the world from ages zero, meaning I'm working with newborns essentially that have issues. I'm working with two-year-olds, three-year-olds, five-year-olds, 10-year-olds. I'm working with women before they even conceive to help them increase their fertility and improve their health and detox their bodies before they start to pass mycotoxins and chemicals through the placenta and through breast milk. I really enjoy helping women with these fertility programs and protocols we create. And I work with many adults. I'm working with a ton of people right now that have had the injection and are having a lot of issues with it. It's amazing how the media has censored people, deleted people. They've got the bullseye on Dr. Mercola. You may have even seen he's in mainstream news now. They're really coming after him. Even the White House has announced that they're coming after these people. Uh, which are like anti-injection people. And really, these are some of the greatest people out there that are sharing really important information and studies and reports. And I don't know all the people on this list that they're targeting, but I know several of these people on the list and they're stand-up people that just want to help humanity. So it's really sad to see what's going on with the censorship. I hope you've been keeping your eyes open to all of this and not just believing the mainstream narrative. We've seen how hard they've been pushing, pushing, pushing for it and when you look at the numbers, you've got over 450,000 adverse events, events reported. You've got over 10,000 deaths at the time of this recording reported. And that's just a fraction of the true backlog of the VAERS, which is the system inside of the CDC where you can look at the adverse events. So I think the numbers are probably far greater, probably 10x of what we're hearing. And even those numbers are being, quote, debunked or whatever. And it's just, it's ridiculous. So, you know, it's been a very interesting uh, thing, an interesting place for me to navigate. You know, how do I move forward? How do I not get myself suicided uh, by trying to share things? I will just say that if you haven't already, make sure that you go follow me. Eventually, I might be deleted on there, but I'm trying to not get deleted because it's a good platform to share things and to do live polls and videos and things like that. But check out me on Instagram. It's MR, like Mr. Evan Brand. Check me out on Instagram. Give me a follow there if you're there. I would love to have you because I participate with you guys quite often on there. I share things that I like to share in between podcast episodes. So go check me out there and please join the conversation. We're trying to have a lot of conversation there. I share as many videos as I can. I get a lot of reports from you all. Like I got a report from a uh, Trader Joe's employee the other day telling me that they basically segregate the employees and you have to show your papers essentially to take your mask off at work. I mean, just a lot of ridiculous stuff going on. So I like to try to keep the conversation going there. So check me out. In the meantime, though, let's dive into something more productive. We're going to talk about the top five nutrients to address your gut inflammation and to support a leaky gut. And guess what? We know that the virus affects the gut. We've seen massive, massive issues. I've seen gut inflammation in some of these post long hauler cases. We've seen many issues with diarrhea. We know that the virus affects the spleen and the lymph system and the GI system. Uh, autopsy studies have shown dead and necrotic tissue in the intestinal tract of infected people. So this is a very, very important thing to focus on. And the gut is one of the places where you make your neurotransmitters and you create nutrients. So this is an important topic. I hope this podcast helps you. In the meantime, check out my product, GI Soothe. This is my best-selling formula. We've sold thousands of bottles of this over the years. This is a formula that we have where we have all of the clinically shown 
comprehensive gut healing intestinal permeability nutrients there are so from glutamine to chamomile and okra this is a full spectrum blend i've used this i lost count of how many times clinically with great success for gut inflammation gi upset uh, inflammatory bowel diseases my gi soothe number two is also an aloe extract we use that quite a lot as well so check out gi soothe we'll have the link in the show notes if you want to check that out that's probably the best guess and check formula you could use now obviously if you've got gut infections we need to figure out what those are and then we can give you an appropriate product for that but in the time being you know that'd be a, a great solution so check it out and if you need help clinically, please reach out on my website, evanbrand.com slash free. You can book that 15-minute free call with Megan, my functional medicine practitioner on staff, and at no charge. We'll chat with you about your symptoms, your goals, and see if we can help. So that's it. Enjoy the episode. Hey, guys. It's Dr. Justin Marcajani here. Today's podcast is we're going to be talking about the top five nutrients to address gut inflammation and leaky gut or gut permeability. So this is a, a topic that's pertinent to a lot of our patients as gut inflammation is usually some component in why they're not feeling good. So I'm really excited to address this today with Evan. We're going to dive into the things that we do clinically, the things that work with our patients, the things that actually get results. We'll break it down and we'll kind of give you guys some action items uh, for today as well. Evan, what's cooking, man? How are we doing? Hey, doing really well. And you know, we always come up with a title and then we uh, over deliver on that title. So we're calling this something along the lines of top five nutrients to help your gut or to heal your gut or support intestinal permeability, but maybe we end up going over five. So I'm just going to go straight to my favorite because it's so easy. It's so broad spectrum in its use, and it's so safe for people across the board to use it, whether it's kids, adults, the elderly population, even people that don't have testing. You know, our philosophy is test, don't guess. We want to have the data. We want to have good stool testing and good organic acids testing to look into the gut deeper and figure out what's going on under the the hood but there is usually a three sometimes four week timeline between talking with a client or a new patient and then getting the test results so what do we do to help these people in that in-between time before we can do the real work based on the data I'd say my favorite is probably aloe and specifically you and I use an aloe extract that's a 200 to 1 so it's 200 pounds of gel converted to one pound of extract and then that's encapsulated we had a young boy not super young, maybe 16, 17, but he was diagnosed with autoimmune gut issues, Crohn's, uh, ulcerative colitis, actually pancolitis, where the whole digestive tract was affected, major bleeding in the stool. We got him on simply a 200 to 1 extract of aloe, and within three weeks, we did a new GI map stool test, and we dropped his calprotectin levels, which is his gut inflammation, by 1,000 points. Wow. Just by aloe alone. Unbelievable. Yeah, it's powerful what nutrients can do. Now, I always tell patients, if you're trying to come in and make some changes out of the gates, I mean, your best bang for your buck is going to be fixing the food because the food is constantly getting your body, getting your gut inflamed. So the first thing we can do is look at the, the, the inflammatory food that could be coming in. This could be gluten or other technically gluten-free grains like corn, oat, um, rice, those kind of things. So you want to really get the grains out. You want to really get a lot of the poly, polyunsaturated omega-6 vegetable oils. And again, the reason why vegetable oils tend to be more, let's say, uh, poor is because they're highly processed to extract the fat. And the processing actually damages the fat and creates free radical stress within those fats. Because the more you take in damaged fats, your body has to utilize antioxidants to stabilize the fats so they don't uh, create free radicals. And so it depletes a lot of your antioxidants. And then those fats take on and become part of your cell membrane. 
And to have healthy cells, you have to have good membrane because uh, the membrane essentially is the brain of your cell. It provides a lot of um, good cellular communication happens with the membrane. So if you have junky fats, whether it's omega-6 junky fats or trans fats like hydrogenated soybean oil, right? Those kind of things, canola, um, you know, safflower, those are going to be more junky omega-6 and they're going to really uh, not make the healthiest cell membranes. They're going to deplete your antioxidant reserves. And if they're on the trans fat side, they'll make your cell membranes very inflexible too. Yeah, good point. And I apologize for skipping over the diet piece. You know, you think of the typical American person, they think, just give me the pill, give me the magic remedy. So we'll talk about some of those remedies. But yeah, you make a great point. You can't go out to Pizza Hut for dinner and then just take an aloe capsule and everything's going to be okay. Correct. Yeah. So that's, it's good to look at the foundation out of the gates. Um, I'd also say like, I'll just kind of put this next category into a broad category and just say amino acids. And these amino acids could be things like N-acetylglucosamine, uh, NHE. They could be things like um, glycine, which are going to be very high in collagen or bone broth. And they could also be things like glutamine. So I kind of put these in the amino acid bucket. Uh, one, they tend to be very good support for the enterocytes of the gut lining. They can be used as fuel for the gut lining. They also can help with gut permeability. And, and uh, glycine is a, is a really good backbone for connective tissue. So it can be very helpful for that, a lot of that connective tissue healing out of the gates. So how about enzymes? When you hear nutrients to heal the gut or support the gut, you don't necessarily think about enzymes. You think of more like you mentioned, the glutamine, aloe, the kind of calming, soothing things. But I would argue enzymes have a role in helping with reducing gut inflammation simply by improving digestion and reducing the putrefying and fermenting of foods. Because I know my gut yes. was super inflamed. If I look back at some of my original stool tests when I had gut infections, yes, I was doing things to soothe my gut, but simply just treating the infections alone got the inflammation down. And part of that process of treating the infections was using enzymes because my digestion was so terrible, I would get exhausted after a meal. And that was a sign that I had low stomach acid. So I would say that enzymes should be on our list here because so many people due to age, due to stress, Maybe you're eating in a loud restaurant, like you're on your lunch break for work and you're listening to us or there's music, boom, boom, boom in the background and you're sympathetically stressed while you're eating. Enzymes to me would be a good insurance policy to help break down your foods and then therefore reduce inflammation. Yeah, foods are not broken down properly. They're gonna sit, they're gonna ferment, they're gonna putrefy, they're gonna rancidify. Also, those foods are more likely to, um, to create hydrogen and methane gases because they're fermenting. And those gases can throw off your motility and how you move the bowels. And if the bowels are one, too short, or I should say too fast on the diarrhea side, you may not absorb those nutrients well. And if they're too long on the constipation side, you may reabsorb fecal toxins. And so, you know, long or short on the bowel motility can definitely affect absorption or create more toxins in the body. So I think that's a big one. And then just kind of connecting the enzymes, and we could throw HCL in there too because HCL helps activate enzymes. I would say chewing, chewing and, and really just the mastication and healthy eating habits because chewing your food up really fine allows more surface area for those enzymes and acids to work. So you can have a good amount of enzymes or acids. You only have a couple of chews, you swallow your food. Those enzymes and acids aren't gonna work as good as you really chew it up, you know, 32 chews, one chew per tooth, you know, ideally like an oatmeal-like consistency and allow those enzymes and acids to work better. 
Yeah, I'm eight teeth down, so I guess I get off the hook with 32. You know, I have my wisdom teeth and I have my 12-year molars out, so. Oh, yeah, there you go. I mean, I have my wisdom teeth out as well, um, so I'm kind of at 28 as well, so I get it. So let's just say 30 plus or minus a couple. It's hard. I, I've tried to do that. I've tried to do that many chews. Oh man, my, my jaw gets tired. So, and that's the, that's the problem too, that we have with our, our food is like you go to Chipotle, for example, everything's really soft. Like if you get rice, if you get like carnitas, or if you get the chicken, you barely have to chew it. It's almost like mush. So yep. I try to personally seek out occasionally, I will yep. seek out whether it's like beef jerky or I know bison jerky or even just a steak, you know, I try to really get something that works my jaw because I just feel like in America, our food is so soft and easily digestible that we don't have to really chew anymore. Yeah. And so if you have a nice steak or a nice whole chicken, just make sure you chew it up. Same thing goes with overhydrating. you know, try to get your first thing I do is when I get a, go to eat a meal, I kind of go to the reverse osmosis filter, get a nice big glass of water or two, add some minerals, one, two, and then I get my meal going. That way it gives me 10, 15 minutes or so for everything to absorb. And of course, the colder the water, you got to take a little bit longer because your body holds that water in your stomach, get, heats it up to about room temperature, and then passes it through. So the, the colder that water is, the longer you should wait in between a meal. How about mushrooms? This is something that, you know, just doing a little bit of research before we hit record, this is something that I don't necessarily go to right out of the gate, but I've been using mushrooms for a long time. I know you and I personally have been taking mushrooms for a long time, and it turns out that, for example, lion's mane mushroom has some really, I would say probably just as impressive as some of the other herbs you're mentioning, whether it's like uh, DGL licorice or marshmallow, kind of the conventional gut healing ones. Lion's mane has some really awesome anti-inflammatory properties. There were two papers that we had found here on lion's mane mushroom being shown to protect from and shrink gastric ulcers. Also, lion's mane was shown to significantly improve symptoms of two major inflammatory disorders of the digestive system. And so that's cool because normally we're using lion's mane for cognitive problems. I know for me, my brain is much more clear. I've got lion's mane mushroom in my system right now. I took two capsules this morning and I certainly feel it mentally, but I did not even think that I was feeling it in my gut. So that's cool. Totally. Yeah. I think that's really important. Again, a lot of gut issues, the immune system can be a big player at it. And so of course, if you're able to modulate the immune system with the medicinal mushrooms, or immunogenic compounds that are going to be in those mushrooms, whether it's beta-1,3, you know, D-glucan, whatever that is, it could have an effect on gut permeability and improving digestion. So I think all that's very, very important. Also, just kind of one pet peeve of mine, someone in the comments was chatting about this. Um, a lot of people, when they talk about leaky gut, they talk about leaky gut like, like it's the cause of a problem. Leaky gut is the effects of, on what's happening with the gut. So the more inflamed you are, the more you're not breaking down your food, the more crappy the food is, the more inflammatory the food is, the more dysbiosis we have, the, the, the lack of certain nutrients we have, the more stress we are, right? All that then creates and increases the chance of gut permeability. Gut permeability isn't the cause unto itself, it's the effects of a lot of other issues happening. So when people talk about, oh, you gotta fix the leaky gut, it's like, not necessarily, you know, it's like, it's like saying, oh, we have to fix, imagine you have a leak in your roof and the water's pooling on the carpet below. You say, oh, we gotta fix that water on the floor. It's like, no, 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 you fix the hole in the roof. 
And again, it may be semantics, but we, we got to call a spade a spade. If the water's coming into the roof, you talk and say, we got to fix the hole in the roof. You don't say we fix the, the water on the ground, right? So I just want everyone, I want to train everyone to kind of get thinking about things from a root cause standpoint versus labeling the the damage at the end result. Conventional medicine is really good at labeling damage down here and not talking about the effects up top. That, that should that the cause up top. They're labeling the effects down here. So we want to go root cause. Yeah, that that's great. And I'm sure we could come up with other analogies on it, but that makes a lot of sense. It's kind of like, okay, we need to come in with the towel. Oh no, now we have the super absorbent towel. This towel is going to absorb a thousand times more water on your floor than any other towel. And then this... Yes. This carpet is mold resistant, so if you use this carpet, that water in your carpet won't create mold, but you're still missing the freaking hole in the roof. The roof, exactly, exactly. So we just got to really be on top of that, make sure everyone's thinking root cause, so I think that's really helpful. Well, let's call it out. Let, let's call out why that happens, though. It's simply money, and it's the supplement industry. There's a lot of money. It's marketing. Yeah, it's marketing. There's a lot of money made mm -hmm. on leaky gut this, and this leaky gut book, and this leaky gut protocol, and this leaky gut practitioner. The problem is you could take all these leaky gut supports for a decade and never treat the infections. Like if you just went and did, like you mentioned, glutamine, and we hit the zinc carnosine and the DGL, and we did the uh, aloe, like we talked about in the beginning, none of those are going to erase a blastocystis hominis parasite infection. None of those are going to get rid of Giardia. None of those are going to treat the H. pylori. They may help, but they're definitely not going to eradicate the issue causing the leaky gut in the first place. So that's just marketing. It's money involved in this. And, you know, as practitioners, I think it's really smart of you to call it out like that because it's, yeah, it is frustrating for us because we'll look on a new client or a new patient's intake form and they'll be taking all these quote leaky gut supplements. Yeah, I found this leaky gut protocol online and I still have all these digestive problems. And it's like, well, yeah, look at your stool test. You have all these issues and you could do that for 20 years and never fix it. So I could rant on that all day. Yeah. Other thing I would just say out of the gates is it's okay to palliatively support the leaky gut. We just have to make sure when you're palliatively supporting something, we're also root cause supporting it as well. Root cause fixing it, palliative support, totally fine, right? Nothing wrong with that. We just got to call a spade a spade and, and not pretend the palliative leaky gut support is root cause support. As long as we can do that, then yeah. I think we're, we're pretty good. Next thing I would highlight out of the gates, and, and you see this herb being listed as being very helpful um, for the, the gut permeability, but it's also very helpful on the adrenals. So that's licorice. And so when we use licorice, there's a lot of licorice being used in leaky gut supports that's, that's deglycerized. And, and this is the glycerized component of the licorice is pulled out. And the glycerized component of the licorice is... Um, is the component that slows the breakdown of cortisol. I think it's the 11 beta hydroxy steroid dehydrogenase 2 enzyme. The licorice inhibits that enzyme. That's the enzyme that helps break down cortisol. So we know cortisol, um, too low, we need healthy levels of cortisol to actually build up the gut lining. It helps with building up the gut lining. Of course, if our cortisol levels are too high and we're chronically stressed, right, that can also break down the gut lining. We know that with people that are chronically stressed getting ulcers, right? We know that as well. And so when we look at licorice, it really helps with cortisol improvement. So if we do a cortisol test and we see chronically low cortisol, that can actually help with the gut lining, with the mucosa, with the stomach, with the duodenum. 
And that can actually help with the cortisol and bringing that back up. And that can help build back up that gut lining. So we like licorice that's non-deglycerized for the gut. And and non-deglycerized licorice, we give it typically orally, sublingually to our patients. That will eventually trickle downstream to the gut as well. And so licorice can be a powerful thing. You just have to be careful if you're giving a non-deglycerized version to people that have already higher level of cortisol, that may make things worse. So we just got to make sure we're testing that to know what kind of pattern we're seeing. Yeah, that's a good point. So we could do a whole part two on that if you want. Give us some feedback, like maybe the gut hormone connection, and we could hit that in in detail. But yeah, you you highlighted a very important point, which is that cortisol is involved with this whole process, and it really is a Goldilocks zone. If you have too little cortisol, you're exhausted, and you're probably going to be dependent on stimulants and caffeine and sugar and things that are going to damage your gut, but then simply you don't have enough to build up the gut. And then if you have too much, now you're catabolic, you're breaking down your muscle tissue, and you're breaking down your gut barrier. That's probably part of the reason that I lost a lot of weight and a lot of muscle when I first moved to Texas. I had gut infections, and I was incredibly stressed, just moving and leaving my family behind, you know, emotional stuff, homesickness, gut infections, I had the perfect storm to tear up my gut. So I can tell you firsthand that adrenal supports did help. And that was probably because it was helping regulate the cortisol levels, which then in turn, took the load off my gut, so to speak. 100%. Yeah, I like that. So it's, it's good to really make sure that's under control. How about probiotics? I think it's worth mentioning. Yeah. I mean, these are totally valuable tools that can help regulate histamine. Yeah. We can regulate bacteria with it. Yep. So let's dive into that. Yeah. So you, you have two, yeah, I said you have three to four big families. Okay. So you typically have your lactobacillus and your bifidobacter, which are typically come together and usually a good high quality broad spectrum probiotic. So in my line, we have one called probioflora that's going to have a lot of the different lactobacillus, whether it's KCI, acidophilus, bulgaris, brevis, rhamnosus. And then, of course, you have a lot of the bifidobacterium, whether it's bifidobacterium bifidum, longum, brevis, right? So those are your broad-spectrum lactobacillus or bifidobacter probiotics. Lots of good data, lots of good research, anywhere from food poisoning for inflammation reduction, gut permeability reduction, um, nutrient absorption. There's all kinds of different studies connecting the dots on, on those. So that's kind of the bifidobacter lactobacillus. Of course, we have more of our spore-based or soil-based probiotics. These are going to be a lot of your bacillus strains, right? Whether it's bacillus subtilis, clausii, coagulins, like informis, right? These are the bacillus strains. These are really good if you are very much SIBO-sensitive, FODMAP-sensitive. We may use some of these over a bifidolactobacillus species. And then, of course, I'm a big fan of the, a probiotic that's kind of more of a beneficial yeast called Saccharomyces boulardii. In my line, we have one called Sacroflora. Again, we'll put the links below for, for all y'all, so if you want to see it, we'll put the links below. Sacroflora, Saccharomyces boulardii is very helpful. A lot of studies on it helping to improve immunity in the gut, IgA. IgA levels kind of get low when you've got inflammation or gut stress. Uh, of course, it's going to help with food poisoning. A lot of studies on it helping with H. pylori, uh, C. diff, Clostridium difficile, Blastocystis hominis. Uh, it helps, also helps crowd out yeast and candida. So there's a lot of excellent benefits with Saccharomyces. We love it, and it's usually going to be a core part of my probiotic, my fifth R, which is repopulation, re-inoculation on the good, healthy probiotics once the fourth R is done, right? Fourth R is going to be removing the gut bugs, removing the gut infections, Fifth R, we come in, repopulate, re-inoculate with good bacteria. Most people kind of switch. They want to start probiotics sooner, and that may not be the best step. Not saying yeah. it may not help, but some people I've just found, one, it's just a lot of pills, and two, if they have a lot of bad bugs in there, it's like 
going and getting a whole bunch of good fresh grass seeds thrown down on a lawn full of weeds, right? You got to get the weeds done before we throw down the seeds, right? Got to get the car washed before we get it waxed. Kind of like that. Yeah. Yeah. We had a lot of good feedback on the podcast we did. Remember we were talking about probiotics and how a lot of new research is showing probiotics are being used to help with getting out mycotoxins. And we know that mold toxins damage the gut. Yes. So, so I have been, I've honestly been working in probiotics into the protocol sooner and most people do well. There are some, like you said, that just don't. You got to pull the weeds before you throw the seeds. But there are a lot of people doing really good with throwing probiotics in sooner in the protocols now. So like you said, if they can handle the amount of pills, maybe we try to sneak one or two in or we could do like powdered versions. Typically, it's like a quarter teaspoon. We could throw in a blend like that. Sack B, you could you could do powder and maybe throw it in a smoothie or something. So we are trying to integrate those a lot. And I've had amazing success personally with probiotics. So I think it's interesting. There's still a lot of people that poo-poo probiotics. I know you and I, we kind of get, you know, so caught up in the, the, the clinical trenches that we may miss some things. But I do get a couple of emails, you know, here and there from, from people, clients sending them like, hey, this guy like says probiotics are a waste of money and, you know, that they don't work. And I would just say that's not true. We have so much clinical data it's, personally. It's all about context, right? It's like if someone yeah. comes in, they have chronic gut issues. And they're just taking a probiotic thinking that that's going to be the answer to their gut problems. It's probably not, right? And that's where we're trying to have a, a comprehensive functional medicine plan that's root cause and not just trying to throw supplements at the wall thinking that that's going to fix it. So, yeah, I understand if that, you know, where that person is coming up with that, that bias, that bias is from not having a comprehensive root cause plan with a functional medicine practitioner. They're just trying to throw supplements at it, hoping it will fix the symptoms, not fix the root cause. Well, here's, yeah, good, good point. Here's the other thing too. It's even some probiotic companies will say that about other companies. It's more of a marketing thing. Like, Hey, their probiotic is crap or it doesn't work because of X, Y, or Z. But I will just say with what you and I use clinically, we're using professional supplement manufacturers, exclusive only to healthcare providers. And a lot of the stuff we use, we have extended release technology. So one argument is like probiotics are going to die in the stomach. They're not even going to make it to where they need to. But a lot of the new technology we use they're not even going to break open. They're going to be resistant to the stomach acid. So that's another problem too. When you hear these little like super sometimes buzzworthy type articles, it's not taking into consideration the quality, the quantity, the purity, the potency, the technology involved. It's like probiotics, they get the label and then that's it. And that's just not a fair classification. Correct. And then also Consumer Reports did a study on probiotics a couple of years back, maybe five, 10 years ago. And what they found is most probiotics that they put a number on the outside of the bottle. Hey, this is how many colony forming units. And what a lot of the cheap companies do is they say, okay, this is how many should have been in this probiotic at manufacturing of this product. Let's say it's 20 billion. Now, what the professional companies do is, right, when you're buying high quality professional ingredients, they're going to say, this is how many colony forming units should be in this capsule at expiration. And so you're looking at something like two to three times the amount of those, that species, that CFU on the bottle, colony forming units, is going to be typically in there. So when you see like in my probiotic, I think it's 40 billion per two capsules, right? That's going to be what's in there two years from now at expiration, right? And so obviously it's going to be two to three times the amount of that before. And so you want to use professional companies. So what you see on the label is always worst case scenario, number one, and then also 
how products are stored by professional companies is very important. So like where we have our warehouses, like everything is stored in an air conditioned or a refrigerated environment for a lot of our probiotics. Some don't necessarily need that, um, but which we value the, the scenario and how that's stored because that really increases potency too. Yeah. And the funny thing is too, we've seen some papers on supposed expiration dates you know that's just something that you and i are forced to do with the professional companies we work with but you know we've seen some research on supplements from 20 30 years ago still being viable meaning they still had some potency and purity to them and obviously they still had a, a biological effect so to me i would if i had to pick like a consumer shelf bought probiotic or a supposed expired professional product, I'm going to go for the supposed expired product. I'd go for a five-year-old professional probiotic than a, you know, on the shelf today consumer level. Yeah, exactly. And also a lot of the probiotics or supplements that require refrigeration on the warehousing side, a lot of times you're just not going to get that on Amazon. You're not going to get that level of specificity just because that's not how their warehouses are set up. And so with ours, we, we make sure that that refrigeration components is there because we're working with patients and we need we need that potency because we're trying to get clinical outcomes, right? We're trying to sell and provide a clinical outcome for the patient. And if we're just providing products that aren't meeting that standard, we're not going to win. And, and of course, we want to be successful on that front. Yeah, yeah. Well said. Well, I think we covered a lot of it. So the mushrooms are beneficial. Lion's mane, the mushroom uh, is is amazing for the brain, but for the gut also. Chaga mushroom would be great. Reishi mushroom could also deserve a, a good mention. You hit upon the amino acids. So the glutamine or the various types of glucosamines involved. We love amino acids. We use those all the time. You mentioned like uh, collagen also being, you know, part of that makeup. We hit on some of the herbs, like the, the licorice or the DGL version of it, the marshmallow we like to use a lot. We hit upon the aloe, and then we hit the probiotics. I think those are the big categories. And yeah. then the enzymes, we hit that too. I think we did a really good job hitting a couple. And I just, I, I really want to plug in concepts, right? Like a lot of people, they just try to throw information at people and, and, and try to memorize that. I think that's not beneficial. But if you can just understand concepts, right? A concept is just something that sticks you either get it or you don't. And so we try to use a lot of analogies that understand. We try to plug in a lot of the concepts of root cause versus palliative cause. We try to get you to think about, hey, if this helps, why does it help? Is it just an anti-inflammatory? Is it helping just improve better digestion? Is it helping your immune system? Is it helping your adrenals and helping you that your body's natural process to build back up that gut lining? What's the underlying mechanism? Because if you understand that, then you see how it plugs into the greater matrix of healing. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree a thousand percent. So I think the big concept of today is, yes, here are some things, here are some nutrients you can use. However, we really want to make sure you're testing, not guessing. So if you do need the aloe to calm the gut for now, you need the enzymes to help improve digestion for now, you notice that HCL is helping with your heartburn, or you notice that the enzymes are reducing your bloating or your burping or your gas. Great. But what led to all that in the first place? What led you to need the aloe because you had gut inflammation? What led you to need the enzymes? That's where somebody like us can come in and help you figure that out and plot it on paper. And, you know, we've been through the trenches personally and clinically. We're always improving upon ourselves. You know, I work on my children. I know you work on your children. We're giving our kids things to help their guts. I mean, so this is like a, there's no finish line. I don't want people to think, hey, I just do this aloe for a month and then I'm done. You know, there's not a finish line with the gut. We're constantly being exposed to new toxins and new pathogens. Uh, we've even seen with the virus that's been going around a lot of issues with the gut there. We've seen a lot of issue with tissue destruction in the intestinal tract. So who knows 
right now what the five, 10-year outlook of the GI health in the U.S. is. Right now, our guts are notoriously bad due to glyphosate and other things damaging them. So just a quick note, you kind of started with the diet. I'll end with the diet. 100% organic is important. If you're going to go buy all these probiotics, but yet you're going to eat strawberries with an average of 22 pesticides on them, if they're not organic, you're wasting your freaking time and your money because we know all those pesticides are just killing the beneficial bacteria in your gut that you're trying to re-inoculate or repopulate with. So please go organic you know, before you spend money on probiotics. Exactly. And then also, how long do these probiotic strains last in your gut? I mean, a lot of times you're going to see the data showing about one month or so. So they don't stay forever. So when you take a probiotic, it's not like it's there forever. So it'll, it'll hang around typically for a month. It'll help with nutrient synthesis. It'll help with nutrient absorption. It'll help with inflammation, modulating the immune system. There's some data that maybe the spore-based probiotics hang around a little bit longer and they, they may help proliferate the growth of other beneficial species. So just think when you take a probiotic, it's not forever. Now the goal is that we're getting some level of fermentable foods in your diet, whether it's from sauerkraut or low sugar kombucha or some kind of fermented pickle or something or you know cultured coconut milk or, or potentially a high quality raw milk if you can tolerate it so you know that's typically how we're getting exposed to probiotics more on a, a day in week in uh, kind of situation if you're someone that can't get that level of exposure with fermentables from food then you probably want to be on a probiotic a little bit more frequently um, if you're not getting those fermentables. So we just got to plug and play where we're at. I think our ancestors probably did more fermentable foods, which is ideal. But if we can't, we plug in a good quality probiotic or at least throw in something every couple of months just to kind of fill in the gap to make sure we're getting exposed to those good fermentables. Yeah, great point. I just want to highlight what you said too, which is that like your gut bacteria are actually going to help you with your health in other ways. So once gut bacteria are optimized, you're healing the gut, you're making neurotransmitters the way you should. You're making serotonin. You're making things to improve yourself. You're making B vitamins to help your energy and your mitochondria. So this is why really the gut, I mean, we just, we can't stop talking about it because it literally is the foundation. Exactly. So just kind of want to make sure that is understood and, and that makes sense for everyone. We'll put a list of recommended products down below so you guys have access to those. You want to support us, support the show. We appreciate it. We'll put those down below. Uh, also, if you guys want to reach out to Evan Brand, head over to evanbrand.com. Evan is there for you guys worldwide. And again, I'm there for you as well, justinhealth.com. Dr. J, myself, there'll be a little link button. You guys can click and reach out to us. We are available worldwide to help you guys, help you help support y'all. We want to make sure that you have the support you need and um, you have a, a good comprehensive plan to get what's going in the right direction if you're not having uh, success. And then also just try to apply one thing today as well. If you're having, if you're overwhelmed and you're having a sticking point, great to reach out. If not, just try applying this information. We want to really help as many people as possible. And we know we're going to help many more people than we actually see in person with this information. So just make sure you're applying it. And if you are enjoying it, share it with family and friends that could also benefit. Put your comments down below. Let me know the best part that you liked about this, what resonated with you the most, and give us a like and share as well. We appreciate it. Yeah, and if you're on the app listening, if you're on your Apple Podcast app or Stitcher or wherever else, give us some stars. Let us know what you think the show deserves. Between us both, we have, well, I lost count, but it was somewhere over 700 five-star reviews for our podcast in between uh, our various feeds. So please give us some stars, give us some sentences, give us a blurb on whether you still call it iTunes or Apple Podcast. We'd love to beat out people that are not clinically oriented. There's still like top health podcasts out there that it's just theory, 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 theory. And then we have to like recalibrate people's theories because they're not clinically based. So we would love to beat those people. How do we beat those people? We go higher in the charts. How do we do that? With your reviews. So give us some stars. We appreciate it.
Thanks, y'all. You guys have a phenomenal day. Take care. Take care. Bye. All right. I hope you enjoyed that podcast. As I mentioned in the beginning, check me out on Instagram. I'd love to have you there. Join the conversation while I'm still there. I don't think I'll be deleted. I've had a couple of warnings, but they haven't deleted me yet. And of course, my newsletter too. If you're not already on there, that's probably the censorship free place. I know Dave Asprey and some of my other friends have really been promoting newsletters. So you can get my newsletter access, just go to my site, evanbrand.com. Just go to the bottom there. It says, join the best functional medicine tribe, get access to exclusive interviews, case studies, and more. Boom. Put your email in there and join the newsletter. We've got over 135,000 people. It's a massive list and really love hearing from you all. A lot of people reply back to my emails. I promote various summits and things that I don't talk about here. So make sure you're on the censorship free newsletter. Just go to evanbrand.com. Go to the bottom, put your email in. I'm not going to send you any garbage. I'm not like a marketing guy. I really don't. I mean, I guess I market myself. I market my services. I market some products that are going to help you. But I see a lot of people in the health field that are just promoting garbage, just ridiculous stuff. I'm not going to call them out right now, but I would just say that uh, I'm one of the guys that you're going to enjoy getting a newsletter from. You're not going to want to go unsubscribe like I do to many of the others. So check out GI Soothe. I'll have the link in the show notes for you. That's probably my best recommendation right now that I could offer you for addressing your gut and helping your gut. And then if you need further help, further testing, clinical uh, application protocols, please reach out to my staff, evanbrand.com slash free. You can book a call with Megan. She's an amazing functional medicine practitioner, and she'll chat with you about your symptoms, your goals. You can book with her. You can book with me. Either way, we just look forward to helping you out. So that's it for now. Take great care. Come see me on Instagram. Okay, peace. Bye.